And I'm going to read the first uh, 12 verses of that chapter. Hear the word of God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born, the king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. The Christmas decorations are taking up my space. So this is the standard picture for this story. That's my title, Magi, Messiah, and Maniac. You see the three, because we've always assumed there were three of them. Wise guys on camels, because we assume they came on camels, because Mary already used the donkey on Christmas Eve in Luke 2, of course. And then you have that sort of stable-like shelter there. I asked for another picture. I need my other picture. <laughs> Help. Someone get me my other picture. The whole sermon depends on this very important picture. Da, 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 da. Is it not even in my slide deck? I don't actually have a hearing piece, so they can't talk to me. So, All right, I'm going to describe it. Sorry because I'm not really a good describer of pictures. It's a picture of three different people. On the one side, which would be that end, you have, it's definitely a kid dressed up as a magi for some Christmas pageant, Christmas play. And he's got, obviously, the fake beard on. It's blue or purple, I'm not sure. And he has this cool hat on. That makes him look like he's probably Eastern. And in the middle, you have a little baby with a crown on. Right? We know Jesus didn't wear a crown not, uh, unless, not until he wore the one of thorns at, on the cross. And then you have, on the other side, you have, really, it's just clearly a grumpy old man, and he's sitting in a leather chair. That's Herod, but of course, we know Herod didn't have a leather chair, probably, right? He was a grumpy old man, though. That was the key to that one. And the reason I wanted you to see it, because I helped design it, which means it's really bad art, right? And it's meant to be, because that nice, simple picture doesn't capture it, and my ugly picture probably captures it a little bit better what's going on. So we're going to... 
Oh, yeah, you can see the words over there. There you go. Yep. Um, we're going to look at the people and the places and the prophecy that, um, that are part of this story. We're going to look at some of those details. And, and the message I want you to hear in all of this is that in spite of all the crazy, messy stuff that's going on, God's got this. God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, an old hymn says. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Matthew's rather brief on the birth of Jesus. Um, and full disclosure, Christmas is actually hard on pastors. I know, poor, poor me. Um, because there's actually very little material on the birth of Jesus, and we always have extra services to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So luckily for me, this is my first Christmas here with you, so I could do Luke 2, right? And then Peter could do Matthew 1, and now I get to do Matthew 2, and next year, we're going to probably do the same things all over again, right? But what's striking about that, it's not about poor me, it's about why doesn't the Bible spend more time on the birth of Jesus? Because it's a pretty amazing thing that God came into the world. Mark doesn't even touch it. He just starts straight into, and Jesus came, and he started his ministry, right? And so it's interesting. It's worth pondering, why does the Bible spend little time on, yes, Jesus came into the world, and then jumps straight into his ministry? Probably that was their emphasis. That was their focus. Three kinds of kings. The text says, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? And if you know the song, We Three Kings from Orient Are, then you know that the Magi were historically thought of also as kings. So you have King Herod, the Magi kings, and king of the Jews, all mentioned right here in this short piece of text. Right? And that's significant because this is going to be a clash of kingdoms. Right? Jesus' main message throughout the Gospels is the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is near. He talked about kingdom, and kingdom and king kind of go together. And so this whole story is this, this bumping into each other, the fact that this King Jesus, the one we want to call Lord Jesus, he bumped into these other kinds of, of rulers. And you have here three very different things going on. That was what my ugly picture was going to show you. One was that you have King Herod, who was just known to be not only the richest man in the world, but one of the cruelest people ever to live as well, right? Um, spoiler alert, if you read the rest of this chapter, which we're not going to look at today, you can just see how brutal a man he was. He was so in love with money and power that he would do anything Right? You read his history, he wiped out half of his own family because he was suspicious. He was suspicious that they might be trying to take his power away from him. Right? And then you get these magi who are these mysterious creatures, and this whole story has a whole bunch of mysterious things. I'll point them out along the way. There are these guys that you're thinking, you could have explained a whole lot more, Matthew, on what's going on here so we knew exactly who these people were and what they were doing um, in this land at this time, how this all works out. So three kinds of king, and we're seeing those as the key players in this story. And then this is one of the ways of prophecy or of communication. The creation communicates. They said, we saw his star in the east when it rose and have come to worship him. And most of us are going, you saw his star when it rose. What exactly does that mean? How did that happen? So there was actually at this time the fastest growing religion was the religion that followed the god Aster. And if you know what an asterisk is, it's what we call a star, right? 
Aster means star. It was star worship. Uh, Zoroastrianism was actually the Eastern version of that same religion. This was actually a big deal at this time, and those who now understand the way the planets have moved and stars move and all, how all that stuff works recognize that there was probably likely a very major star event right around the time that Jesus was born, and so that's probably what these people followed, right? So they come from a completely different culture, a completely different world, a completely different religion because they are following the stars, which the Bible basically teaches the stars are God's heaven handiwork. They just show his power and his, his majesty. And here these people were following that creation communication. And it makes us at least pause to wonder, how does God communicate through people who believe differently, live in other lands, and don't see the world in the same way that we do? He finds his way because all of these things are in his hand. Their culture, this creation was still his creation. He used it to speak to them, right? And this begins to show us what God's all about because Matthew, as we've said along the way, Matthew is, is really all about saying, I'm going to invite all kinds of people, the least and the, and the strangest kinds of people. Those are the people who are going to be invited into Jesus' community, and these magis fit that, fit that bill, right? They came from another country with another style of worship and um, another belief system altogether, and God communicates to them. Don't poke the bear. You've probably heard that before. Herod was a bear. You don't poke Herod, because when you poke Herod, you're poking everybody. When King Herod heard this, that they'd come to see a king, he was disturbed. My impression from what I've read of Herod is he was always disturbed, but he was particularly disturbed at this time, and all Jerusalem with him. Because you recognize, right, as goes the leader, so goes the community. One of the things I was trained to do was if, for example, someone faints in the service, don't give me an example of this today, thank you very much. If someone faints in the service, it's my job to remain calm so that you are all more likely to remain calm. Right, so I've learned to pretend I'm calm even when I'm not, right? Likewise, if something happens in the service and you can see that I am visibly nervous and, and distraught and anxious, right, you're all going to be anxious for me. I always say that to uh, young preachers when I'm training them. I tell them, everybody's actually rooting for you because they don't want to see you uncomfortable because that makes them uncomfortable as well, right? And with Herod, it's the same sort of thing. When Herod was disturbed by this, when Herod was upset, these people knew who Herod was. They knew he had wiped out family members when he was suspicious of what's going on. So they're all upset too because if the leader, if the king is that upset, something's going to happen and it might have something to do with us. Don't poke the bear. Don't upset Herod. And then the sold out Sadducees. So um, I've been learning from Bema, as you know, if you've been listening regularly. And they taught me about all the different groups that were around when Jesus came on the scene. And one of those groups is the Sadducees. You probably recognize that name. The Sadducees are the chief priests, right? So I plug that in where it says chief priests here. And the Sadducees as priests had decided that the best way to deal with foreign power and, and, and foreign culture was to embrace it and use it to their advantage. And so the Sadducees, the chief priests in Jesus' time, had actually sold out to the powers that be. And so what's really going on here, in a minute they're going to tell where Jesus was born, they're, they're selling Jesus out to Herod, right? They're giving him away because that was their way of dealing with this. Whatever would be to their personal advantage, they would do. Whatever wouldn't get them in trouble with Herod is the kind of thing that they would do. So Herod called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they just kind of come right out and say, in Bethlehem, in Judah. 
And they say that based on this verse. This verse comes from Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. There's a little gap in there. It's very interesting, by the way. When Matthew quotes the Old Testament, he often skips parts and gives you just a little snippet. The idea is that you actually go look up those passages, and our modern Bibles always have the footnote and tell you where to go, because there's usually a little more of a deal in there. Because you know what happens right after this in Micah 5? He talks about people coming from afar, sort of like the Magi did, right? That it actually tells the whole story in that little quote that not only did um, Jesus... Not only was Jesus born in Bethlehem, but while he was there, people from afar would come and see him. And then this call for a secret search. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, because that's the kind of guy he was. And he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He wants details. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, and this is a lie if you don't know the story, go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And worship him. I don't think he really wanted to worship him in the sense that we think of worship, but we sang at the beginning of the service, come, now is the time to worship. And in that song, we, we, we sing about the fact that eventually every knee is going to bow, but it makes a whole lot more sense if you do it willingly and you do it now. That's kind of the summary of that song, right? So in, in essence, it is sort of accurate to say Herod did want to worship Jesus. He did have respect for him. He did have an awareness of his power, but of course his way of dealing with that was to try and conquer him. And if you know how the story turns out, he was unable to get a hold of Jesus. He was unable to do what actually happened later in Jesus' life on the cross. He was unable to enact that because it wasn't God's timing because, again, God's in control. God has his hand on how this journey goes. God, as Karen would say, had, his re- had, the, his, sorry, had the remote in his hand. And then this mysterious movement. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. In my experience of reading commentaries, nobody ever says a whole lot about this because we're not really sure how that goes. We had this great picture on the screen at some point in the Christmas Eve service where there's this star that worked like a spotlight and it pointed exactly where they were supposed to go and that'd be cool, but I've never seen that in nature. I'm not sure about you, right? I'm thinking, I'm looking at the stars going, okay, how does that one tell me is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it this house? Is it that house? So this, this is a mystery, right? Somehow, however they read the stars, they had a sense. And, and again, as I think about this, they actually no longer needed the star to direct them, right? That was God's gift. That was God's way of saying, hey, you're still on the right track because they had already been told you're going to Bethlehem. And when you get to Bethlehem, you go, where was the baby born? And you would probably find Jesus, right? But when they saw the star, when they saw God again speaking to them in their own language, Right? When, they saw, when they heard God speaking in their own language, they were overjoyed. They saw, again, this connection that even though they had not been part of this system in the first place, they've been called in right through their very own language, the following of the stars. God's at work in that mysterious way as well. And then their belief leads to worship. On coming to the house, because they're no longer going to the stable, right? This is somewhere in the area of a year and a half later. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and it was pointed out to me that we always say in Matthew, 
the child and his mother Mary, not Mary with her child Jesus, right? Just puts him first because he's the main character in the story. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. And I'm thinking, what amazing faith and dedication to follow the stars to a completely different world to meet this strange Herod guy and these religious leaders from another religion and to be told where to go and to believe with all your heart that whoever this baby is, even though he looks probably pretty normal and pretty straightforward, they worship him. They worship him. They recognize that this child is somehow going to change the world, and God spoke that to them through the stars. And so they open their treasures, and they present them with gifts. They present them gold and frankincense and myrrh. These are, these are tributes, and they're actually fulfilling what the Old Testament said over and over again. There's going to come a day when there's going to be this new leader, and when that leader comes, all the, all the nations are going to come and bring gifts. They're going to come and bring their bounty to God's people. And so Jesus is the beginning of that experience where they open these treasures. They're doing exactly what was anticipated throughout the story, that when that true leader comes, even though he's not recognized among his own people yet, these foreign folks are going to come and worship him and give him amazing gifts. And then directed by dreams, if it wasn't strange enough that you could follow stars, these people also interpret their dreams and understand what God is saying. This one seems to me, if I had met Herod, based on all that I know about him now, and then I had any dream that gave me any kind of a hint that I probably wasn't supposed to go back to Herod, I'd have no problem following that one. But nonetheless, they had this sense that they follow dreams. It's another strange way that God communicates. He's prophesied, he showed stars, he's spoken to them in dreams. God speaks in all these mysterious ways, and he helps them carry out his will and his plan, and they return to their own country by another route. So the thing we want to see in here is that God speaks in ways we can't fathom. He uses people we don't understand. Come, let us join in worship. You see, sometimes, especially for us Western world people, we want things explained and clear so that, they're under, so that we understand them and they're more manageable or under control, we would want to say. We don't necessarily like surprises. The Bible was written to a people who understand a little better than we do that the surprise is actually the main thing in the story. That when we see shocking things like stars leading people, people coming from the east who we don't quite understand, God um, working around here by his own power, using dreams, all those kinds of things. When there's all these things that are beyond us, that's precisely a call to worship. Because if we can explain God, if we can explain how Jesus can be totally human, and totally God, that's our confession. If we can explain exactly how that works, it wouldn't be a mystery, it wouldn't be God. If we can explain the Trinity, how God can be one and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at exactly the same time, right? If we could explain that, we would have it under control, we'd be able to manage it. And that's where most of us want to land. But the biblical story continues to show us God works in ways that we don't understand. He speaks in ways that are a mystery to us. We don't know how to follow stars. He sends people that we don't understand. We're not sure where they came from. We're not sure how they fit into his picture. And all of that is a way of God saying, I've got this. Trust me. Even, and maybe especially when, you can't see what's coming next. And the call is to join the Magi 
to join the shepherds, to join the angels in worshiping God and bowing down before him and trusting that, boy, this wouldn't have been our way of taking over power. We wouldn't have sent in a little baby, but that's God's way, and he's got this, and he's shown again and again and again. Just when it looks like all is lost, God comes in, and by his power, he saves the day, he saves his people, and he changes lives. So in this time of unknowns, when, for example, there seems to be always a different wave with a different experience of COVID coming our way, when none of us are really sure when this is going to be done. I think I've told you before, I thought way back in whatever year this started, that by Easter, which would have been two months, yeah, we'll be back in church, all will be well. Clearly, I don't read the stars very well. As we carry on this journey of unknowns, as we're in relationships that have unknown things in them, as we start families and move into businesses, as we head into careers where we don't know what the next step is, the call for us is to recognize if God can work around Herod, through Magi, speak through stars and dreams, send us his prophecy, then he can be trusted. He's got this. Let us worship him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you came into this world and your story grabs our attention for the things that are strange and difficult, challenging. And so we pray that you would give us faith that even if we can't explain or understand or put it all together, that you'd give us that gift of faith that allows us to trust and to follow, to believe and to worship. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would work in our hearts, that we would sense those amazing moments where we see something and we just sense we need to bow down in awe of you. Lord, may we see it in your creation. May we see it in the amazing people that are around us. May we see it as we worship, as we experience the power of word and song coursing through our hearts and our veins. Lord Jesus, we pray, continue to draw us to you that we may bow down and join in worshiping you in all your splendor. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.